everybody, this is Atkins. And this is Adam. And we are here to welcome you to another episode of the Almighty Podcast, brought to you and produced by the Back Patio Network. Yes, absolutely. The Back Patio Network. And if you like our show, you ought to check out some of our other shows. Uh, Sunday nights, we actually have a live D&D 5e game named Age of Heroes. It is starting at 9 p.m. Eastern every Sunday. And then, of course, on Wednesdays, we release Rocks and Rune Lords, which is a Pathfinder Rise of the Rune Lords actual play. Uh, that one's been going on for a long time now, so you got plenty of material to listen to if you need to binge a good podcast. And patrons actually get access to that podcast early. So there you go. There you have it. If you need something to listen or watch, you got plenty to go check out. Backpationetwork.com. And you guys just recently reached uh, Twitch affiliate status, did you not? We did. And and in fact, not only did we reach Twitch affiliate status, but we've got like two more uh, Twitch gaming feeds planned. So I haven't really seeded this anywhere else. Our almighty pod fans get to hear it here first. Uh, Hannah and I are planning on doing a big Mass Effect playthrough as Captain Picard from Star Trek. Ooh, that sounds like fun. Yeah, it's going to be a blast. And s- so now that you guys reached affiliate, people can give you some, they can subscribe to you. Is that how the thing works? I'm no good with Twitch. You know, neither am I. <laughs> I'm figuring it out. In fact, like today I sat down and watched some videos just to kind of get an idea of what that even means. Um, I know Matt knows a little bit more about it than I do. I was just looking forward to streaming some games, but it sounds like there is some sort of a sub deal you can do, I guess, where you subscribe to the channel. And uh, if you've got Amazon Prime, you already have a free sub. If you didn't know, I didn't know that. So that's pretty cool. I did, uh, only because I watch gaming streamers on YouTube, and they talk about Prime subs, and I still have mine, so guess who's getting it? Oh, man, I hope that it's that Pokemon card player that you've been watching forever. <laughs> <laughs> I was If you were going to be like, oh, thanks, man, I was going to let rattle off some other gamer, but you, you totally stole my joke. <laughs> I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. Also, that Dark Integral guy hasn't done videos in a long time since last time I looked, so it'd have oh. to go on to like Raid of RS Jr. or somebody, but... Gotcha. All fun. All fun. Lots of things to plug into, uh, whether with your eyeballs or your ears, uh, when when it comes to the back patio. And more is still to come, man. I'm, I, I bragged about you guys on Twitter a little bit. I'm I'm a patron or patron. I don't know what the terminology there I always is. Get it of mixed the back up patio too. myself. Yeah. I got a patron only email, and it was full of fascinating and very exciting teasers for stuff still yet to come down the pipe for BPN. Uh, and you know, whether you're a patron or not, there's going to be new stuff. Uh, but if you're a patron, even at like the lowest level or below, then there's even more stuff coming down the pipe, which has got me super psyched in part because I'm, you know, going to be in uh, hands-on with a, a little bit of that stuff. So. Yes, it's a blast. And I tell you, one of the coolest things that our patrons get access to are these fan criticals for our D&D and, and Pathfinder games. And those fan criticals have messed my characters up a handful of times. Like, I mean, debilitated <laughs> them. It's it's a blast, though, because then it, it creates this connection with a listener where I'm like, hey, you're the guy. Like, you're the reason I can't do X, Y, or Z anymore. <laughs> it's always been my understanding that it's your dice that is the thing that uh, hurts your character the most. That's what they say. But when fans write specific <laughs> criticals specifically for your type of character it feels a little personal <laughs> yeah they're just they're just uh they're just fulfilling that that prophecy about your dice and ensuring that your character rolls poorly and and just gets the worst end of every stick all of the time right absolutely well hey that's enough ad talk about back patio why don't we talk about my hero for a little bit Oh, that's what kind of podcast this is? I think I so. Sometimes. Yeah. So we are covering episodes 101 and 102 of My Hero Academia. And interestingly enough, and thanks to uh, Queen Jess and Omega in our Discord channel, we had a long drawn out conversation about this. Because if you were listening to episode 80 of the AMP, 
we left off uh, the coverage at around chapter 219 of the manga. That's where uh, episodes 99 and 100 uh, covered ground up to. But starting with 101 and 102, we skip forward almost two dozen manga chapters. Holy cow. Um, if, you, if you're reading along, you have to skip chapters 220 through 230, or two, 220 through 240, um, because the manga chapters 241 through 246 are what is covered in these two episodes. So massive chunk. Um, the, those two have obviously read ahead, um, so I'm grateful that they could point me where I could go and just to be aware of some some of the differences that exist between the two mediums. Uh, and they are very confused about why the anime is handling things the way that they are. And I am just like along for the ride because I, I'm none the wiser. You know, uh, any anime onlys out there aren't going to realize that things are being done that dr drastically out of order. Um, but I'm sure that there's some reason for it. Maybe they're trying to condense one thing or another, or maybe they're doing some retooling to the flow of narrative by skipping some things, but then circling back around to them when they make maybe a little bit more sense connected to later bits from the narrative. I don't know, but we're, we're here. So episodes, uh, or rather chapters 241 through 246, if you're reading along, you got to skip ahead quite a bit. But episode 101 is called Have a Merry Christmas. Before we jump into episode 101, I just have to wonder, do you think or do, have you read anywhere whether or not those or that arc, those chapters are going to be part of this season or is that going to be like season six? I don't know. Hmm. Um, I've intentionally not read like as as much as I would like to have answers to questions like that. I feel like hunting those down Probably is going to spoil me on content. For sure. You know, I, it also makes me wonder if they're trying to pull the biggest Horikoshi ever. Like if those 20 chapters take place in a oh, timeline gosh. linear wise, like during that two week period between the 1A, 1B fight ending and this stuff starting, then after this arc, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, all this stuff that happened three weeks ago. And it'll just be a whole season of like backflashes. As long as it's all together and they don't go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, then maybe I can be okay with that. But we we, we will be here to find out. Yes, um, we will be. Because I have no idea how they're doing things. I just hope that I continue to have people who are in the Discord saying, okay, Mike, don't read these chapters. Go and read these ones instead. Because I like reading. Um, it helps reinforce uh, the narrative uh, and keep it in my mind. And it's also neat kind of spotting some of the differences between one and the other. For sure. Well, let's hop into 101. Uh, definitely. We get this one started off. We are in uh, Dhaka or Dhaka City, and it is beautiful looking for the first like two seconds and then just wrecked like out of nowhere. I mean, we see the city just crumbling and falling and the camera like pans in on this really pretty purple flower and this barefoot stomps down on it. And at first I was expecting it to maybe be like that weird giant villain that we've not seen much yeah, about. That's who I thought. Gigantomachia. Thank you. Gigantomachia. Uh, but no, it was Shigaraki, I think without any mm -hmm. of his gear on, which seems weird. Like we almost always see him wearing his hands when he does attacks. So I thought that was kind of strange yeah and he's all bloody yeah and raggedy looking i mean his clothes are tattered but he's cackling just like he's having the time of his life man and it hit the thing that really stood out to me about this scene was that nothing was disintegrated like he normally does it makes me wonder if he's finally gotten another quirk you know we know from the movie yes. that he was interested in trying to acquire quirks it seems like he was learning from all for one so maybe he's finally acquired another quirk and he used that to destroy that city he didn't need his his you know um dismantling quirk or whatever it's called Yes, I would agree with that. I just have in my quote or in my notes uh, just a question. This 
I said this isn't his quirk, right? Because uh, it does not look visually at all like what we've seen his uh, disintegration quirk do. Right. And so I think that you're, I think that you're barking up the right trees. And the there. scale um, of it was crazy. Like I mean, the whole city was decimated. His dis- disintegration quirk isn't normally that wide scale. Yeah, but he is loving it. Whatever it is, he, he is yeah. clearly. This is. Have we seen him smile or or cackle? Like this before, I'm sure we've seen him do that like crazy, I'm crazy kind of jokery smile before, probably obscured by a hand, but he is just fully exposed um, and is just thoroughly enjoying himself. So, and this, oh gosh, and this was a Horikoshi thing too, because the first thing that you see in this episode is nine days ago. <laughs> yeah. So that, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, great. Oh man. And then, and then of course they don't say, okay, now we're back to the present when we pick up, pick back up with the, uh, with the actual narrative, but it is frustrating to see that kind of stuff. All we see is, you know, some, some news coverage of, uh, how it is, what it is that supposedly took place. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. Another cool thing about, uh, Daka city is that it seems like it's another star Wars reference. I believe that is a reference. You said it was to Dakar, another planet. That's what the wiki said. Yeah. That's pretty cool. He, he likes to sneak those in there. You, yeah, he does. And you were you picked right up on it. You were like, that has to be a Star Wars reference, right? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> but the Dr. Internet says that it is. Dr. Internet is right. Well, man, after we see the destruction of the city, we like transition over to this really funny interview scene. And there's this uh, news anchor that's talking to Todoroki and Bakugo, and they're both sitting on a couch like in their dorm room. And she's asking them about like, wow, you know, only 30 minutes after you get your uh, provisional licenses, you, you're out there fighting crime. Like, what a great thing. Are you guys friends behind the scenes? Like, do you guys work out together and have fun together? And Todoroki is like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I guess you could say so. And Bakugo just freaks out. He's like, what do you think? I mean, how could you even say that? Like, you need to get your brain checked. And and I mean, he's just going off. It's great. Number one, I find it somewhat hard to believe that either one of these guys willingly went along for this interview. But Todoroki, at least, is composed. Um, like, he's sitting up straight. He's very polite. He's providing concise and clear answers to these questions, which is strange because when he gets interviewed a little later with by Mount Lady, it does not go like that at all. No, yeah. <laughs> um, and then Bakugo is clearly over every bit of this from the outset. Um, and so, yeah, she accuses them of being friends. And Todoroki's just like, well, we spent a lot of time together. And Bakugo's like, what kind of system is that? <laughs> <laughs> that you just spend time with some somebody and you're automatically friends? So that leads to the question, what exactly is Bakugo's friend system? Well, I definitely Wait, how, don't think how that does counts. one become a friend with Bakugo. I think you have to beat the crap out of Bakugo. He seems like the kind <laughs> of guy that like he would only like you if he thought he could like you could beat him up. So like Kirishima totally I think he has a lot of respect for Kirishima because his flames don't bother Kirishima. Kirishima could probably kick the crap out of Bakugo if he really wanted to. See, I wonder if it's not the exact opposite of that. Like, think back to him as a kid and the three cronies that walked around with him. They were all kids that Bakugo well, that could was overpower easily. I think that was different because he was a kid. He's time. He's had time to mature now. Like, now he's had seven, eight years of realizing that no one can really, you know, buck up against him. But, like, Kirishima? Maybe. Midoriya? I think there's a long history there. But now, maybe. Yeah. Like, he started to respect him more since he's picking up the quirk, I think, a little bit more. I mean... It's not like he's the friendliest to Midoriya, but I don't think Bakugo's the friendliest, period. Like, his his yeah. way of showing friendship is being aggressive to some extent. And maybe that's just it. Like, what you're saying, his he conflates friendship and respect very, very closely. Yeah. So, like, if he sees you perform well in battle, that that, that is at least an, a foot in the door. 
to something. I don't, I think he would hesitate to call pretty much anybody a friend. Um, like, I don't know that he would use that term very readily. I don't think so either. Uh, but I, I think that he sees people that he respects and then literally he doesn't see anybody else. Like physically, it's almost like he sees through them. That's where he gets the extra, um, you know, terminology. I think he's also got a bit of a like chip on his shoulder when it comes to Todoroki. It's still like from the, um, the big tournament. Oh yeah. From, yeah. From sports. Fest. Yeah, from the sports. I don't know. I keep calling it a tournament. It's technically a tournament. They just don't call it. That. It was. Yeah. It was tournament style. But I d- that part, I d- that part at least. I definitely think he's got a chip on his shoulder about that. If the uh, smash volume two taught us anything, <laughs> they're, they're absolutely still fighting about that. That's true. We cut away from this interview and some of these guys, uh, Saro, Kaminari and Mina are just laughing at how these two guys got interviewed. Uh, so they got interviewed for over an hour and they only kept in Todoroki's answers, which just makes <laughs> Bakugo literally like grind his teeth. Um, and I, I just have in my notes that Best Genus would probably be really disappointed, like in, oh, yeah. in the way that Bakugo composed himself for the interview. I totally agree. Uh, so it it was, it's just great. In the manga, there's a panel where Kaminari literally ends up like, with his feet sticking up in the air, he's laughing so hard he's knocked himself over, and it's fantastic. Well, and, and Bakugo's sitting there screaming, like, use my answers! <laughs> like, as if he can change it. Uh, and I think it's Mineta that maybe mentions that he's had three interviews since this incident that where he saved all these people and the purses and everything, and, like, all of his good rep was immediately diminished because of the way he was presenting himself in the interviews. Yeah, I think Jiro makes that the good rep he got um, just went poof yeah, comment. Yeah. Um, yeah, in the manga, it shows Momo saying that was his third interview. <laughs> so everybody is in on the fact that there have been many interviews. Bakugo has not survived any of them. Right. Uh, all he is is like half of his face is kind of left in the crop as they're leaving in uh, Todoroki's questions or uh, Todoroki's answers. <laughs> you just see him fuming off to the side. It's really well presented in both the manga and the anime. Oh, I believe it. Yeah, I bet the manga was awesome. So we transition from them making fun of Bakugo's interview to seeing another news report. Uh, and it seems like they're talking about the Daika City destruction and how it must have been some sort of a ploy for the villains to lower, basically, trust in the heroes. And they, they bring on this hero critic that has this very odd quirk. Oh, yes. Like, I don't know if he's a bat I don't, I, or, or like there was just something about him. His, his aesthetic was very unique. I've not seen anyone else in my hero that looked like this guy yet. Okay, but you know what he reminds me of? Like the old school National Enquirer Bat Boy picture. <laughs> okay. Do you remember that photo? Vaguely, yeah. That like when I saw this, I was like, "Oh crap! It's Bat Boy. He's all grown up, and he's a news anchor now." That's um, funny because <laughs> his face looks almost exactly like that. It's pretty. It's pretty fantastic. Well, and his. I mean, he's not. He doesn't get a, na- a name for the quirk or anything. No, no, they don't. And but they do give his official title, which is like hero critic. So I guess he just sits around and criticizes heroes. I guess. And um, so what what gets covered in this news segment just really briefly is that 20 people rioted and caused its collapse in less than an hour, in 50 minutes. Uh, and then this hero critic says some really interesting stuff. He says, in the past, if there were this many casualties, everyone would be blaming the heroes. But I guess you could say that we're at this critical juncture where criticism is turning into encouragement and i liked it better in the manga he says in a in the past in a situation like this where the heroes were forced to make a difficult call this would have earned those same heroes some criticism but i suspect we may be witnessing a critical turning point in this era it was almost as if he's saying listen they might have been the heroes might have been forced to navigate through red tape instead of respond that was kind of the criticism that we got from the handful of like eclectic interviews um from like people on the street um that they were just like 
it's crazy to criticize these heroes. We ought to talk about relaxing this whole system mm-hmm. um, of of red tape and bureaucracy and hero agencies, I think, is something else that they're getting at. Uh, and that language, I think, is going to come up again a little bit later on when we start talking about the book that Hawks hands over to Endeavor. Well, and is it, I think it's been, uh, Mina around this time says something about how like the kid that, uh, was encouraging Endeavor is the one that kind of changed all of this. Like that, that particular incident is what started having all these people really start encouraging heroes and want more hero interaction instead of them being behind that red tape. So they keep focusing back on that kid. I don't know if he's ever going to come back up or in play, but like, I'm kind of worried about him. They're focusing too much on him now. Yeah, his name, they call him Look Boy. Look Boy, um, yeah. And we've seen, him, we've seen him as a meme before, and now he even has, like, his own, like, hand gesture that uh, Mina and Ochako are using as they're talking about him. Right. So it's become, like, a, a gesture that people throw up in the street when they're talking about this poor kid. And around this time, Mount Lady and Midnight just, like, burst through the door, and there's some, like, zoom-in shots on their bodies, and then as they walk oh, through... Gosh. Aizawa follows behind them, uh, and he's in his sleeping bag, which is great. He must be taking a nap. And he, they explain that they're pretty much just going to have Mount Lady teach the kids how to be interviewed. I mean, that's effectively what it is. Like, I think she says something about how she's the dastardly hot hero and she's used to being behind the camera and she's got like this little media badge. And uh, I feel like Mineta makes a comment here and it wasn't actually pervy, but I don't remember exactly what it was. Yeah, I got you covered there. So <laughs> when I was watching this, have you ever heard of the male gaze as just like a almost like a filming critique or criticism. Yeah. So that's what I thought we got when Mount Lady and Midnight come into the classroom was, was Mineta's gaze. Oh, that makes because sense. Because they, it was gratuitous boob bounce and ass jiggle yep. um, from, from the two of them. However, I don't think that that's true because the way that Mount Lady presents herself doesn't it's she's being intentional. Yeah. And she's <laughs> like, been like she that since like her butt. She's been like that since episode one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. So I was just like, it's not a manetic cam. It's just this. these women are being intentionally promiscuous with their bodies in this weird way. Um, and then you get this shot of, like, Mineta, who looks like he's about to explode or choke Deku or both. <laughs> and I couldn't tell if it was, like, if he was about to explode from sexual energy or from fear. Because I assume Mount fear. Lady did something to him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we know that. We don't know what happened, but something happened. Um, and this getting to the Mineta comment is he feels like she's being a giant hypocrite because he's like... You know, I, I get that I'm the wrong guy to point this out, he says in the manga, but you're the most showbiz person out of everybody. Like, and now you're going to talk to us about how not to be so flashy and how to comport ourselves. Like, he feels like she's being two-faced here. Yeah, absolutely. And and then, can we talk about Aizawa's <laughs> sleeping bag? Has it always had hands and feet? Did you notice this? I don't think it's always had hands and feet. I think that's a it's new thing. It's kind of great. That was a new sleeping bag. He had to upgrade. Yeah, so I just had, has it always had arms and legs? But yeah, he just explains that they're there to do some uh, some interview. He's He's got like a the sleeping bag equivalent of a Snuggie. Um, and it's kind of awesome. I missed him kind of doing the inchworm. That would have been much, much funnier to me. But he, for some reason, they decided to give a sleeping bag arms and legs this time. He needs to be able to train in his sleep. That's the only way. Uh, that wouldn't be far out of the, out of the realm of truth exactly exactly it's just a new era for him that's probably because he's been we know he's been working with uh shinzo so he's got to get his training in somehow you know he's training shinzo in his old training time so now he trains in his sleep yeah and 
Bakugo objects to all of this. He's like, more exposure, my butt. And then I just have in my notes, I said, I braced for a remark from Mineta about exposure, but instead he just calls Mountain Lady a hypocrite. I thought he was going to be like, you know, spin that exposure into like, ooh, let's, yeah, let's, let's talk about exposure. But he doesn't. Mineta shows, I think he's just cowering. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> he's just scared of what to do. Well, and we, we transition out into like the yard. I mean, they've got this random like podium just somewhere. And Mount Lady is calling students up to interview them. And so she calls up Todoroki. And it's really funny because she just starts pretending to interview him. And at first he's like, what are you talking about? And then she's like, oh, my gosh, he's so cute. Like, there's just something about him. I've got to have him. And then she's like, well, play with me. Like, let's pretend to interview. And so she asks him a few things and then asks him about his special move. And he shows off his special move. And and it's, I don't know, it felt weird that he would just sh- show off out of nowhere. You know what I mean? Like, he, he has some pretty devastating attacks. I realize he can control them, but... She explains that the reason that they need to be showing off in front of the camera is that way, I guess, people that they could be helping can see what they're doing and understand how the heroes can help. You know, if they can see your powers, if they can see what's going on and what you're capable of, then they're going to want you to help more. And we we go through pretty much her interviewing just about everybody. I loved two things a lot about this particular uh, series of scenes. Number one is Mount Lady actually gives... An in-universe canonical explanation for why anime characters yell out their super move yeah, names. Yeah, she does. Did you catch she that? She does, yeah. <laughs> We've joked about that for for years on this podcast. Um, you know, to, hearkening back to Dragon Ball Z, where you always have to shout the name of the thing. And she actually gives uh, you know, a fairly in, a believable explanation. It's not fantastic, but it's just like, okay, that makes some sense. Um, and then you get some Drax moments from Shoto, because... She's like, well, if somebody like you came and rescued me, my heart would be racing. And he asks her if she if she has a heart condition. Yeah. <laughs> and then <laughs> later on, she's just like, well, you know, just as a little pointer, you know, they might feel safer if you actually smiled. You'll slay the ladies. And he's just like, if I smile, they'll die. Like, <laughs> yeah. he's so rigid and literal with his responses to stuff. And it's fantastic. He He does so well even though he's doing so poorly at some point in time, uh, Mineta actually like interrupts some of the interviews and he says something along the lines of like, you know, she used to never care about anything except being in front of the camera. And now it seems like she's actually really trying to help us. And Aizawa explains that pretty much all the heroes are really being pulled along by Endeavor. And like, they're all kind of being forced into being, I don't want to say more heroic, but more active. You know, they're they're. It seems like they're running into some like short staff when it comes to the heroes. Yeah, she proceeds to interview a handful of the students, not all of them, but a handful of them have, they come out and they say something kitschy, almost like a catchphrase, and they were okay. I mean, I really liked Red Riots, who says, no blood flows behind me. I think that's a pretty, that was a pretty good uh, catchphrase. Yeah. Um, did, did any did any of them stick out to you at all? Not really. I mean, like, in general, it felt like another montage reintroduction of the characters. Like, the one thing I feel like I've noticed about this season more and more and more than other seasons is they're kind of pulling the Stan Lee effect where, like, every episode kind of has to tell you everything that's going on. Like, it's very obvious. So, like, once again, we're, we're what, 12 episodes into the new season and they've reintroduced all of 1A again almost? Yeah, they've come awfully close to it. I mean, it just feels like it's every couple episodes now. And it's like, I I get it. If someone just this was their first episode, that's a good way to do it. But like we're we're in season five. People aren't watching the most recent episode. Go back to season one, episode one. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do like that. um, Bakugo just yells, I ain't going to waste time on sound bites. Just shut up and follow me. And then there's this 
little, which is totally Bakugo. Um, there's this little aside where Midnight and Aizawa are having this conversation. He, she's like, maybe we should just teach him to follow your lead and just avoid the media altogether. Yeah. And he says, no, I think there's someone better for him to emulate. And the way that the show handles it, the manga too, is it maybe makes you think that he means Deku because that's who is interviewed next. So just by proximity or primacy. But what I think he's really talking about is Endeavor. And that comes up in the next episode. Yeah, I assumed he was talking about Endeavor as well, actually, because we know he is like striving to be the number one hero. And that is now Endeavor. So when they transition over to Deku, though, it's kind of weird because he's really, really nervous to talk to Mount Lady in general. And I didn't know if it was because he's pretending to be interviewed or if it's because it's Mount Lady. Like he, he, we know he's obsessed with pro heroes. Maybe that's a thing. That could be, or it could be because he's worried about certain interview questions, like the one that she throws at him. Yeah. <laughs> like a lot of your moves seem to be like a lot like All Might. But that question opens <laughs> him up almost because the moment she says that, it he's does. just like uh, blah, 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 blah. And even she tunes him out and is like, oh my God, he's just going on and on and on. Uh, but then when he goes to show off his special move, I don't know. I feel like this was kind of dumb. He tries to do his new special move where he releases like one of the black tendrils. And it's kind of cool because he, he gives this rundown of him like envisioning this power locked behind the door. And they show the door with like a jillion locks on it. And then he's like slowly unlocking it kind of like he did one for all. But I it, like, dude, you're just showing off your special move. Like show off one of the ones you got down. Don't try this new move that literally just wreaked havoc on you two weeks ago in the middle of the day. Like, you know what I mean? It felt it felt weird. Yeah, they, they do this big build up to it. The the soundtrack and the vocals get really high, like something amazing is going to happen. And he basically like I've seen vapors produce more smoke than Deku produces from this little black whip. Yeah. Thing. Um, and everyone is <laughs> like so... people just using a vape pen would crush the amount of paper that uh, Deku emits here. But he's super proud. Bakugo thinks he shouldn't be, but he is. Yeah, well, everyone else in the class one is pretty much embarrassed for him. I think they all kind of give this really, like, funny look. And I think even Mount Lady was like, that's it? Yeah, and we cut to Nezu dropping in on All Might, who is working on some hero notebooks for Deku, um, trying to dig up as much information as he could on past users, which is pretty cool. And Nezu drops the bomb that they will be starting the work studies program again soon. And that takes us almost immediately into a faculty meeting where they're talking about just that. And not only are they talking about just that, but Nezu is literally sitting on Aizawa's shoulder the whole time. Yep. It's, I don't think we've, I don't think this is the first time we've seen him do this, but here he's like told, Hey, like you've got a chair and he's like, but this is the warmest and coziest <laughs> spot. So that's just canonically Nezu's favorite spot to nuzzle. It just cracked me <laughs> up, but he's basically explaining to them exactly what he told All Might. Like, Hey, look, the, we're going to start opening up uh, these work studies again. And it turns out that the, I think he called it the public committee is actually requesting students for work studies basically because there just aren't enough heroes. And Midnight kind of thinks this is weird because she explains like, well, I there are plenty of heroes out there and it seems like that she's just not taking into consideration the uptick in villainous groups that are now attacking everything. And they believe that this is directly related to the uh, Daika City destruction and an attack, but they don't really know. I mean, Nezu kind of seems to think that there's a lot of information that's just not being publicly accessible or not being told to the public. And so he's working on assumptions, it seemed like. Yeah, I think that they they get the sense that the Public Safety Commission is being very vague. I think it's for two reasons. One, and we, we learn each of these two things kind of going forward, and maybe not at this point in the anime, um, but it, within these two episodes. One is that they suspect that current pro heroes uh, are in league with either the League of Villain or the 
uh, Meta Liberation Army. Mm-hmm. So they want to inject new blood that they can trust. And one of the ways that they're doing that is by keeping very close tabs on students in schools because there's a discussion, a three-way discussion between uh, Sukauchi, All Might, and Nezu about their surveillance of the 1A students in particular. Um, and they're like, we're confident none of these kids are in league with any of those folks. And, and so the when they have that measure of confidence, it makes sense to kind of inject them out into the pro-hero world as known non-conspirators to a point. It's still child soldiering, which, you know, is problematic to a point. But what Nezu says at the end of this meeting makes some sense. He says, being in imminent danger is normal for heroes. We just need to, let's try our best to find heroes to put these guys with that we can trust, that have good track records. Um, And that's exactly what they set about to do. Absolutely. We transition back into the dorm room and all the students are sitting around and they're all dressed up. Uh, and they're talking about their work studies. And it turns out that Midoriya is not going to be able to go back to Night Eye's work study because, well, they don't have time. Uh, your favorite hero, what is his name, Centipeter, has taken over. Centipeter. And it turns yeah. out him and Bubble Girl have way too much work on their hands. It sounds like uh, Night Eye was one of those awesome co-workers that just silo all their information. And now that they're gone, you know, they've got a bunch of work to try and figure out how to do. Yeah, uh, and then they start talking to Midoriya. So he, Night Eye is out, Gran Torino's out. Baka goes asked who he's going to go to, and he wants to go back to Best Genus, but he holds up like a like an iPad that says that Best Genus is missing, um, and he seems genuinely concerned about Best Genus. And also, I think that he presents it in such a way as as if he would actually jump at the opportunity to go back and work under him, which I really liked yeah, that little touch. I did like that too. It was also super interesting too. I don't know if you noticed this. But like when they first cut to the Christmas party, uh, like they set up so much really fun stuff. So Bakugo is in all black tracksuit walking away from the party and he's hunted by Mina for the rest of this episode, trying to put a, a Santa coat on him. Uh, Ochako is shown bugging out because of all the food before her and she's so frugal. Uh, and then there's a scene where for some reason Bakugo is just casually floating a book in front of his face while he reads it, like hands off, and it's just floating in front of him. What? It's the most random Hell? thing ever. Yeah, <laughs> go back and watch for it. It's crazy. Like if you blink, you'll miss it, but it's totally there. That's, I didn't catch that. Um, That's funny. We we cut away from that particular discussion about who's going to go where uh, to a flashback, of course, because it's Horikoshi, where Best Genius is asking Bakugo why he hasn't chosen a name. And Bakugo's like, well, that's because they've all been rejected. <laughs> and he starts <laughs> listing off all the names that have been rejected. And it's, you know, King Explosion Murder and Lord Explosion Murder and just Explosion Murder. And uh, Best Genius says, well, your hero name is a wish. You know, it's how you want to be or how you should be. And you haven't started looking outside of yourself yet. And so he says, when you get your provisional license, come back here. And I'll ask you once again what your name is. And I think that that is going to set up some pretty neat stuff in the future. That feels like too big of a tease for two things not to happen. One, for Best Genus to come back, for Bakugo and him to reunite. And for two, for that to be the moment where we finally freaking get Bakugo's hero name. Because he still doesn't have one. Didn't that recently get um, published? I feel like I remember someone saying that like his hero name just came out in one of the manga chapters recently. I remember seeing stuff on Twitter about him getting a name. I don't remember if I know what it is. No, I, I haven't seen it. I don't know what it is. I just thought that it was more recent. So we may have ways to go before we see it in the anime. Probably. But, uh, you know, we know the three things that it won't That's be. true. Unless they make an exception. Maybe that would be great if they're just <laughs> like, you know what? Okay, fine. You get it. Um, Aizawa ends up bringing Aerie to this party. And it's the cutest freaking thing of all time. It is cute. But I got to ask who was prepping her for this party? Because they literally filled her head full of the wrong holidays. 
Yeah, she 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 cycles through at least three yeah, of them. Yeah, because she shows up and she opens the door and she's like, trick or treat. And as I was like, no, it's not that one. And then she goes, demons out, demons in. And then he goes, nope, that one's not for two more months. And I actually looked up <laughs> this holiday. Um, I'll probably butcher the pronunciation, but I think it's named Setsubun. And it is not a national holiday, uh, but it is widely celebrated across Japan and is apparently one of the Japan, uh, Japanese children's favorite holidays. Like, from what I can tell, this is a huge one that most of the children over there celebrate. And it's basically a day of what they call bean throwing or bean eating. Uh, yeah, so... I was just going to ask what it, what it was if that if the article that you read said anything about what she might throw. Yeah, it, it must be some sort of a bean of some kind. I don't... It didn't mention what kind of bean, um, but basically the idea is that you are scaring away evil entities and welcoming good entities or good fortune. And this is typically celebrated on february 3rd um so that was kind of cool and then she also painted some eggs like i i just have in my notes who let this kid prep for this party someone told her like mirio was somewhere playing a prank i think this is mirio's bad yeah. side. that's 100 percent my i think my idea is that mirio is just like having so much fun with her uh where maybe he's like okay he's trying to explain christmas and then he gets excited and he's like oh gosh and in two months we're gonna have this yeah. one and then right after that one we also have this one because they can actually go in uh uh w- you know with the exception of uh halloween the th- there is some chronological order a little bit um to the way that these things flow maybe he was just like oh man we just missed halloween and then he's like and then we're doing christmas and then we have whatever the one you were talking about and then we have you know like he i could see him getting excited and Given all that information out at once and just totally confusing That's absolutely her. what happened. Uh, and Deku makes a mention to Aizawa, like, hey, her horn's growing. And Aizawa's like, yeah, I know. And then they just kind of transition away. Like, they don't really say too much about it. I think that it means her horn grows when, she's, when she uses her quirk, right? So I think that that's kind of her, or their way of saying, I think that she's she might be practicing or, or um, you know, u- utilizing her quirk uh, at a place where after that weird ass knife analogy, yeah. <laughs> where maybe she's inspired to maybe put this thing to some use and is maybe exercising it in a way that she wasn't before. That's how I read that. Anyway. My hero is going to get real dark when they like go in her room and they found a bunch of like backwards kittens or something, you know, like, yeah. like animals that have just been reversed <laughs> back in time. <laughs> oh gosh. You're the darkest. Yeah, I, know. I was always um, like, where are my cats at? There were some really cool like touches to the visuals in here. One of one of the things that kind of annoyed me after having re- after reading the manga chapters is that like there are several seconds of the anime that are just stills from the manga that they just kind of pan yeah, over. Yeah, I assumed like the Christmas um, tree was probably one, and like the the feast was probably one. Yeah, there's a handful of just the big group shots basically. And what was really cool, I noticed that each of the one A students has a Santa hat on, and each of their dongles or the little ball thing at the end is different and unique to every character. I thought that was really cool. That was super yeah, cool. Yeah, like Kirishima's got like um, a like a rock, like a diamond kind of shape on the end of his. Yeah, some of my favorites are, um, you know, for for. Hagakure, she doesn't have one at all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it's invisible. And I thought that that was genius. Yeah, that one is pretty good. Um, I feel like uh, Ochako's was like a little floating one. Like hers was actually levitated up. It was the only one that was going up. So I didn't... Hers looked like a little Saturn. It looked like a little planet. I didn't catch Sue's. I didn't see if Sue had one. Sue had... I've, I have the whole list. Um, Sue had a frog face. Oh. <laughs> Deku's was just green. 
Uh, Jira had a music note. Ojiro's was just a white floof because he's so freaking normal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was my other favorite one was his in, uh, in Hagakure's. Uh, but yeah, they each, it's cool just to kind of pay attention to those things. It was a fun little touch that each of them had. Even Bakugo, who like was relentless about trying to avoid being captured in a costume um, for, for the festivities, ends up with one in his just like, looks like a little explosion. Yeah. Momo has a tiny little book. Oh yeah, the book was The cool. Christmas tree is decorated with all sorts of stuff that is representative of a handful of the uh, the characters. And then Saro like engineers this really interesting gift exchange where there's a scene where all these characters bring in these wrapped gifts. And I think what he does is they get them all piled up and he takes a piece of tape, attaches it to each gift and then stretches it out, I guess, and kind of places it on the floor and then invites all the students to come and just grab a piece of tape and they might not see which present it goes to. And then on the count of three, they pull and then everybody gets a gift. Um, so Ida, Ida wins. Ida wins hands down. Did you notice what bars. he pulled? Yes, he just has three gold bars. You know Momo threw those you in there. You think that's what it was? With, oh, I guess she could have just created three gold bars. Yeah, Mo, that was 100% Momo. I didn't Momo. Even think about that. You know what's so funny about Momo, though? She probably didn't create it. She just got some from her dad or something. Because aren't they she filthy might have, rich? man. Yeah, they yeah. are. They're, they're crazy rich. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that one's great. And he's just holding them in his hands like, what the hell? Um, Mina ends up with a dumbbell. Saro has a frog face-shaped mirror. Kaminari looks the most upset of them all, maybe, because um, he looks kind of sad that he drew a basketball. But Mineta ends up with a pick of Aoyama, which I'm sure Aoyama put in oh, there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's fantastic. Well, and, like, Ochako's got the like, tiny little All Might plush, so it's got to be something from Deku. Yeah. And I think Deku had some treats, so probably from Sato. He, he, he ended up with Moki, which I think maybe Ooh, could that have been uh, Ochako put in there. You think Ochako or maybe Todoroki? Doesn't he like Moki? He likes soba. soba. That's right. He might, he might like Moki too. Who knows? He might, but <laughs> Ochako's specifically big, big on Moki. That's so true. I think they both got the gift that the other one brought. So it almost is like this cute gift exchange Aww. that might explain why they have that weird face towards one another at sure. the end. And then uh, Jiro ends up with a poncho. Bakugo has some sort of tiny scroll. Um, that struck me as maybe something Sh- Shoji might have given, just something very like minimal. Um, and then Eri ends up with this giant sword that Ojiro is super jealous of that Tokoyami brought. I'm convinced that sword is like a Hellblade or something. That's how they pass Dark Shadow on. Like, Eri is going to end up with Dark Shadow. Because <laughs> I think it's uh, one of the X-Men has like a Hellblade that's possessed or something. And it looked kind of like that. Yeah, it's magic. Yeah, yeah that's um, right. Yeah. So uh, this is where we're going to insert our segment because we invited uh, members of our Discord and followers of uh, the AMP on Twitter to bring a gift to the party for a little secret Santa exchange. So, Adam, why don't you explain how uh, the the participants ended up with their particular hero? Absolutely. So in the Discord, I posted something, and I believe on the Twitter you posted something. Uh, so people were able to see it in both places. If you ever want to check out any of our fun giveaways or inclusions like this, just make sure you're following us or hop in the Discord. But basically, everyone just signed up for it, and I had a little wheel spinner that uh, I found online. I put all the names in. I would hit a button, and it would spit out a name. So everybody got a randomly assigned student from Class 1A. I even included Eerie in that list, um, but I don't think that she ended up getting chosen, which is okay, because she got a cool-ass sword. So That's right. <laughs> she's, she's totally fulfilled, I think. Uh, but basically, I messaged everybody, and we got their responses on what they would get this, this student if they were in the My Hero universe and they were able to pick anything for this student. The only requirements was that it had to be PG, because some of these could have been very funny if they were rated R. That is, that is very true. Um, so how about I do a couple and you, you do Sounds a Sounds good to me. Okay, so um, from Twitter, 
We had Bree, like the cheese, uh, who ended up pulling Suyu Asui. So she said, I tried to think of something funny all day for her, but I think that she would like something a bit more thoughtful. So I'd probably get her a nice heated blanket for those cold days so she could avoid spontaneous hibernation. Oh, that's a good idea. And maybe pocket warmers for going out on missions. That's a really good idea. I like that. It was. We, I didn't, we, I haven't seen a bad submission for gifts. I thought all these oh, were Oh, all great. of mine were awesome too. Yeah. I also had from Twitter, Eddie Cange or Kange, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing his name. I probably should have asked him. He drew Momo Yazurozu, and he said, I settled on getting her all of the Harry Potter books. She loves reading, and Class 1B uh, did that play where they incorporated some Harry Potter into it, so getting her all seven books in the series seems like a good idea. And I, was, I responded back and said, and she already has the bookcase to carry That's them. That's true. You know, I wonder if Momo could create magical items. Yeah, like what's the extent I guess she of would have ability? to know the molecular like makeup of magic itself Ooh, though. that's a good point that's a good point i hadn't considered that all right so my first one is for izuku midoriya my wife hannah actually decided to, to play along and i thought her gift was genius she said for christmas i would give deku something practical a tissue dispensing utility belt now before you think i'm being a meanie hold your horses as a fellow <laughs> frequent crier i have a sense of kinship with our buddy deku this gift is not meant to be making fun of this fact specifically the belt in tissues would be all might themed in order to cheer him up each tissue would be emblazoned with a motivational message. Don't give up, young Midoriya, or some other such lovely good supportive dad line, to give him an additional <laughs> boost of confidence and positivity. Also, a pair of boxing gloves, because I don't like when his hands get purple and broken. So, that was... I mean, they're still going to end up purple and broken, <laughs> you just won't be able to see it anymore. Right. Well, she just said she doesn't like seeing them, not that she hopes, you know... Yeah, no. Uh, it's, it's problem solved, sort of, but yeah, for exactly. her. <laughs> so, for the next student, uh, it's Katsuke Bakugo, and... Uh, this was going to one of our pals in the Discord, Tomek, uh, and he said, Wireless headphones. Clearly, we know Bakugo has no chill and has never learned to deal with stress. Maybe he should learn to listen to music when doing whatever. I imagine he would be listening to stuff like Slayer's Raining Blood. Maybe all that yelling will get him to tone down his own, plus a set of toothbrushes. We all know he needs those. Oh, God, that last <laughs> part is so perfect. I knew you would like that. He had to have thrown awesome. that in for you. Oh gosh, it's still one of the best scenes in all of my heroes. So it's fantastic. Brushing good job. Teeth. He's got to go. That's he's got to go through uh, those brushes so quickly with the way he does it. Oh gosh, yeah. Um, from Twitter, I had uh, Twitter handles Meep, and she drew Koji Koda, and she said I would simply get Koda little animal figurines. I know he has to collect them, and I feel like they're forest animals or birds. She said, so if his collection is full, then I'd get him an Animal Jam membership. And I had to ask her what yeah, that I've was. I've never heard of this either. Because it sounded edible and not right at all. Um, <laughs> but it's an anim it's an MMORPG where you play as an animal what? online. Um, and you like pick an animal and can run. It's apparently it's a huge deal. I don't know how I missed it. I read it on like Wikipedia, read it, read up on it on Wikipedia this week. And it's a huge deal. Um, so yeah, if you're interested in what it is that Meep was looking to hook uh, Coda up with a membership or subscription to, look up Animal Jam. It looked kind of neat. Animal Jam. I mean, it's definitely geared towards cho children, but I think Coda would enjoy the heck Absolutely. out of that. Absolutely, yeah. That sounds pretty cool. I also found out um, through Eddie that Meep is the person who introduced him, the gentleman who uh, who got a gift from Momo. Meep introduced him to both my hero and the AMP. Oh, so that was that's cool. awesome. And then uh, I have Vaughn from the Go Beyond Pod. Uh, I got submissions from both of them, but I'll do Vaughn's and then kick it over to you. Vaughn ended up with Hantasero, and he said that he would get him elbow length hemp gloves. 
He said the length will help cover his creepy elbows and the material because he seems like a dude who wears him. <laughs> I like that. That's awesome. <laughs> Which I was like, that's totally I like fair. It. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So for my next one is uh, our pal Omega in the Discord. Um, he got Yuga Aoyama, and he said, I would have to purchase a custom-made Yugo Aoyama action figure. He would be in hero costume, and at the back, oh, there gosh. would be a small button that, when pressed, will light up the naval part of his costume and at the same time have audio of his moans. There have been several episodes where he has those weird moans that he does. You know what I mean? And then he said, if that doesn't work, I would just purchase the most flamboyant mirror. No, I'm I'm not letting him shift off of that action <laughs> figure of himself because it is genius. I like it's that a one. genius idea. So the next one I've got on my list is Mina Ashido, and I actually pulled Mina. Uh, so I decided that for Mina, I think she could use a balance board, like one of those boards that have like the tube under it that you balance on, mm-hmm. because we've seen that she loves to do all kinds of like uh, the the dancing, the street dancing. What is it called? Uh, break dancing. That would totally help her out with some balancing, and like she could do some cool stuff on that. Like I just think it would be a lot of fun for her to have in the room just hang out you know spend 30 minutes on it while you're studying or something yeah work on her yeah core. she could even learn how to like maybe uh do like a hoverboard combo with uh a chaco that could be fun oh use like her acid to uh because we've seen her kind of like slide around on it before but if she included a board it would be pretty neat looking that's true um my next two come from two other my hero uh, academia podcast uh hosts uh, the second, or this this first one, is the second from Go Beyond. We had both of their hosts participate. So Chris from the Go Beyond pod drew Mezzo Shoji, and he said that he would get him custom-made boxing gloves to fit his hands so he can train like everyone else, because he says, we really want to see him get into a fight. <laughs> uh, I listen to their pod pretty regularly, and that's one thing that just drives them nuts. I think that the Hero Notes guys have complained about um, uh, Shoji being like not not given much time to actually shine in a fight as well. That's so true. Uh, Chris is like, I'm going to solve that. Huh, we haven't really seen much of He's that. He's a big old punchy boy. Remember he had all that crazy grip strength? Yeah, that's true. Interesting. Um, and then Luke, one of the hosts of Hero Notes, drew Hagakure, and he sent me just a picture of a shirt. Um, and it's it's a John Cena shirt that says, you can't see me. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> which is great. It's, it's perfect. <laughs> Did you see where, uh, you know, on t- this is a short tangent real quick, but, you know, John Cena has been tweeting a little bit about uh, My Hero Academia. And then somebody on Twitter recently said that he would be the perfect casting for Hagakure. And that made me laugh. I so saw hard. that. Yeah. So the next one I've got is for Ojiro. Um, one of our pals in the Discord, Oreo, picked up this one. And they said, I'd get Ojiro a set of those jungle bell strings to tie onto his tail because the dude's so damn ordinary. At least he can make his tail festive <laughs> during the holidays. <laughs> oh, I thought that was awesome. I mean, he, he did end up with the just plain old white Santa hat True, ball, you true. Know? Spice him up a little so bit. So the next one on my list is another one that I decided to pull, because uh, I took a couple here. I think you and I both took a couple. Uh, so we, we wanted everyone in student or in, in class 1A to get a gift. Uh, so I got Kirishima, and I decided for this one, it's another board-themed one, but I thought it would fit. He seems like someone that is probably like an adrenaline junkie. So I think he would really benefit from like a mountain board. You could get up on top of like any massive mountain and he could use it. And then if he crashed, he could just harden up and keep riding like if, as if he was the board. Yeah, he doesn't need he doesn't need pads. No, I mean, it's perfect. My, my parents used to make me wear knee pads, wrist pads, helmet, elbow pads. That's the way to be. Keep your brain, he doesn't keep need your any brain safe. The only pad that I really needed was one for my ass because I always <laughs> fell backwards. <laughs> they didn't make those. All right, from the Discord, Ness, Mr. Mr. My Hero Binge Watcher oh, no. Extraordinary. I was so man. bummed he um, didn't get Mineta. 
Uh, me too. Uh, I think you ended up with Mineta. We almost, we fought over him a little bit, you and yeah. I did, uh, which was kind of funny. But anyway, he drew Denki Kaminari and he said, my gift idea would be a drone. Oh, that's Denki cool. seems to like cool things that are popular, so it fits in that aspect. There'd be no need for extra batteries on the go because Denki could charge it himself. And additionally, with some tinkering from Mei Hatsume, she could incorporate a feed from the drone camera to Denki's glasses for some fun hero stuff. That's actually really cool. So it'd be like, his drone would be his familiar, which is pretty that neat. That is neat. I like, that's a really good one. I like that one. And then for the first of the ones that I drew, um, this wasn't this wasn't the one that I drew from the wheel. This is one that was a leftover that I picked up. Um, it's Tenya Ida, and his gift would just be a massage. I wouldn't give it to him. I'd give him a gift for a massage, <laughs> like a package. But that dude just needs to. He just needs to uncoil, unwind, relax a little bit. Well, no wonder he's stressed uh, out. He's been pulling pipes out of his legs. Yeah, he that he just needs a massage. Full stop. His his and Ochako's were the ones that came to me quickest. Yeah. The next one I've got on my list is Rikido Sato, and this went over to Queen Jess from the Discord, uh, and she said I would get Sato a Pizzelle maker. It's like a waffle iron, but makes Pizzelles, and Pizzelles are a traditional Italian waffle cookie, which I think is perfectly fitting. I've never had a Pizzelle, either. but I picture I can see them. I want one, but I've never tasted them. I want one. I want one now. <laughs> so the next one, they make something I can make them with in my home. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can only imagine that these smell incredible when you're making them. Yeah, no kidding. So the next one on the list is Tokoyami uh, or Dark, Dark Shadow. And this one was kind of fun because you and I actually both came up with a gift. So you said Nightmare Before Christmas, the movie, which I think is actually pretty fitting. Um, and I said Cradle of Filth album. Now, if you have watched the TV show IT Crowd, there's a funny character named Richmond uh, that talks about how Cradle of Filth was something that got him through some dark times. And so I, in my brain, I was like, Tokoyami, that totally makes sense. He, he would love Cradle of Filth. They're just dark. <laughs> that is awesome. I thought he would like Nightmare Before Christmas because I'm not I'm not convinced that he loves all the bright colors and bright lights. Um, but this would give him something to look forward to during this season as That's well. That's one of my favorite Christmas Plus, movies. Plus, I think he would love pretty much all things Tim Burton, Oh, actually. absolutely. Like, I bet the Tim Burton Batman movies are something he looks up to. Yeah, definitely. All right, so for my last two, these were both uh, gifts that I ended up awarding to students. So the first one was the one that I was given the name off the wheel that I drew was Uraraka. Um, and hers was, my idea came to me immediately, but I wasn't sure it was a real thing. But Dr. Internet says that it is. So I would get Ochako a subscription box of Moki. You can get these things. So like every month she would get a box of Moki. That's really cool. Um, and I was inspired by uh, the first volume of School Brief. She, there's this whole thing about Moki being like buy one, get three free at this uh, uh, at a grocery store and her and Momo, I think, and uh, I don't remember Jiro or somebody else was there, uh, being all excited and buying up all this Moki because she, you know, she's very frugal and very cheap and, uh, wants to be wise with her money because probably she's still sending some to her parents or at least trying not to mooch off of them too much. So I would hook my girl up with a Moki subscription box, sweet treats once a month to her door. She would make them stretch for the whole month guaranteed. So that was an easy one for me. Um, and then my last one I had to spend some time thinking about. Uh, it's Kyoka Jiro, who's my, probably my favorite character, so I didn't want to let her down, you know. But what I ended up going with was I would get her tickets to Deep Dope. And this is something that you have to be paying attention to her specifically as you watch My Hero. Um, in her room, she has a giant Deep Dope poster. Um, she has two different shirts that say Deep Dope on it. Now, I don't know if it's a band. I don't know if it's 
a tour, like Warp Tour. Maybe Deep Dope is something like that, where it's a whole bunch of bands. Maybe it's a music style. Mm. Um, worst case scenario, it's like the name of the an old band of one or both of her parents. Whatever it was, so long as it wasn't the last one, I would buy her tickets to go see what I presume is either her favorite band, tour, or music style. I assume that's a <laughs> reference just, to Deep Purple. It could yeah. be. Could be. That's a good one. That's what I would get. I like her. that. So my last two, uh, one of our really good friends of the show, they actually were the ones that drew uh, Adkins and I are are like profile pictures on everything. At least I use mine on everything. And I'm sure you've seen it on the Twitter. I'm sure you've seen it on our website. Um, They drew a two in one Kotatsu is what it's called. And they actually drew out like the design and everything. So if I can get permission from them, we'll share it on the Twitter. But it's Todoroki in this little like thing that I guess it can heat him up or cool him down. Or do both, you know, depending on how he uses it. And uh, so she was like, he's a pretty normal dude. I think that would work for them. That is super awesome. And the drawing is super it cool. Is. I had to look up what that thing was. Um, but it's it's a. I think she's right that it would be a great gift for him. And not just because of the hot cold, but I think it fits his room's aesthetic really well, too. Absolutely. And then there's Manura Mineta. I pulled him. Uh, I say I pulled him. I, I, we, we split up some of the characters, and I decided to, to take Mineta. Because Mineta is one of those characters that's easy. Like, you can come up with all these rated R gifts to get him, and they all totally fit. But it was kind of difficult to think of a PG one. And I decided that I would buy him some life coach lessons. He needs someone like Hitch. <laughs> You know, like just to help him, help him learn how to talk to the ladies. Oh gosh, that's that's <laughs> that's awesome, but also horrifying. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I just oh, I gosh. feel like I now needed the Hitch movie with Will Smith, except instead of the other guy that's in it, it's just Manetta. <laughs> <laughs> I had I had pitched to Adam a couple different ideas that I had for Manetta, and one of them was to just buy him a PlayStation One in the first copy of uh, Laura Croft Tomb Raider, because there was this huge myth back in the day where if you did all these certain actions in the right order, including like trapping the butler in the freezer, that she would her shirt would disappear, and so you would just buy that stuff for Manetta and tell him about that, not tell him it was fake, but just be like, dude, it's so real, you got to do it, and then just let him have fun just spinning his wheels in that game, hoping that he was going to see some pixelated boobies. <laughs> That's awesome. Man, some of those old games have some really cool hacks that actually did exist like that, you know, and and it caused so many fun rumors, like being able to resurrect Aerith in Final Fantasy VII, like no telling how many people spent hundreds of hours trying to do crazy stuff like that. Well, big shout out to our community of the AMP for participating in that, including hosts of other pods. Um, There was a lot, a lot of input and creativity and excellence on the gifting front, which is something that I struggle with in real life. Um, So I was inspired by you guys to do better at Christmas this year. Who knows? Maybe Adam will get something nice this year. Maybe. We'll see. (laughs) That was a lot of fun, though. Thanks, everybody, for participating. I'm sure we'll have more things like this. So I'm looking forward to, to coming up with some more fun things with everybody. That was a blast. We closed down episode 101 with a couple different things that are noteworthy. The first is uh, Deku saying something very ominous. He says, uh, not knowing anything about what would happen next, we hoped that we could have a fun Christmas party next year, too. Um, but this is future Deku, so that makes me think, like, maybe next year's Christmas isn't isn't going to be so happy, or, you know, the time preceding it won't be so great. And we know, as a result of some things that happen in 102, that in four months' time... Things are going to get real dark, it seems like. Um, so uh, maybe Christmas in is in jeopardy for the following year. And then after the credits, we have a short scene where Todoroki invites both Bakugo and Deku to come and participate 
in the uh, work study program with him at the Endeavor Agency. Which was a really nice invite. I, I think that they were pretty excited about that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Maybe one more than the other, but still. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> This leads us right into 102, which is named Off to Endeavor's Agency, and it starts with Hawks flying through the air. He's talking on the phone with somebody, uh, and it seems like he's discussing the Endeavor fight with the Nomu that took place roughly, what, like three weeks ago at this point, maybe? Maybe a month? We're not too sure on the timeline. Um, but at first, I assumed he was talking to Shigaraki, but he actually is talking to Dobby, and we get like a quick scene of Dobby in like a phone booth, and he even tells Hawks, like, hey, you're talking way too much. You're not going to be able to trace this call. And Hawks just tells like, hey, no, it's cool, man. I'm not trying to do that. Like, I, you know, we just got to talk. And and it's funny because there are all these fans that are watching Hawks on the phone. And they're like, oh, I bet he's on the phone with his girlfriend. Yeah. they And he says, no, it's a secret. And they're like, oh, that's so suggestive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he kind of has this inner monologue, too, um, as he's talking with Dobby. He's going back and forth between speaking to him and, and speaking internally. And he says, it's because I'm on the inside that I can feel it, that the job of hero should be done away with. This is what he's speaking to Dobby. But in his internal monologue, he's saying he's doing this double agent thing so well, because he talks about continuing to play this fool to get Dobby to focus on the return of keeping Hawks uh, as a part of this uh, you know, agents, uh, th- this infiltrator into the heroes more than the risks of having him in that position, which I thought was pretty sharp. And then Dobby just closes down the conversation by saying the next chance is going to be your last one. He says, I'll have you show loyalty to the League of Villains and the anti-establishment cause. So make it someone other than Endeavor this time. And Hawks reports on this conversation with Dobby to the Public Safety Commission and tells them that he's got to start communicating in code with them. We find out that Hawks is like covered, I think, even by this point with um, with a bunch of sensors that allow the members of the anti-establishment clause uh, or the meta liberation front, whatever they're going to go by. Maybe those are two different things. They're probably the same, um, but they, they're able to watch him and hear everything that that he says. And so he's trying to be as cautious as he can. Then we get this scene where he visits Best Genist, who we learned last episode was missing. So I don't know if he has been missing and has actually just been in hiding, or if that particular yes. scene took place in the future and this is Horikoshi backtracking. But it sounds like, okay. I I read it as Best Genist's like, condition has been kept under okay. wraps, and his location that has been sense. kept under wraps. Yeah, because he pretty much tells Hawks that, like... He's healed up for the most part, and and the only thing that couldn't be healed was a missing lung. And he says that uh, it's, I was going to say Mount Lady. It's not Mount Lady. It's uh, like Healing Granny or whatever her name is. <laughs> you never her name. It's Recovery, Recovery Girl. Girl. Recovery Girl says that she can't restore what's been lost, and he explains that his lung is missing. And we get this really quick flashback of him getting stabbed, and. It's man, I don't know what they're trying to insinuate here, but as he's talking about how he has plans to expose himself to the community again, we like pan in on Hawks who pulls a feather blade and the music turns all dark, and we know that he has got to make some sort of a sacrifice to the League of Villains. I mean, they're asking him to not be the number one villain or number one hero endeavor. You know, is he killing Best Genist? Is he sacrificing him? Is he setting him up? I mean, they they make it look that way. I don't think that's really what's happening. But the weirdest part is, is that the next scene is like Hawks flying through the air with a duffel bag. And my first thought was like, did he chop Best Genist up and just shove him in a duffel bag? Like, what's yeah. happening here? <laughs> that's that's my note too. Is is Best Genus in the duffel bag? And then I just have what's in the bag, um, which is a not too great uh, seven joke. But yeah, I think. 
he and I, Adam and I were talking about this before recording. I think that this is going to end up being some some kind of red herring. I, I'm convinced that he doesn't actually kill Best Genist here, um, but it definitely is presented that way. They For really sure. want you to believe that he did. Yeah, uh, and then we get a new opening, and it was really cool. I, I dug this new opening a lot. I remember folks in the Discord talking about it being kind of like really on point for the rest of the season, but I thought it was a cool opening. I was really happy with it. And, I mean, the music was cool, but it was just a bunch of people st- like standing or sitting around and then like occasionally walking. Yeah, I didn't. That's didn't like all me. anime openings. They're all the same. It's always like your two main opposing characters running from each other or like grasping at things they can't reach. I mean, nothing will ever top Rock the Dragon. Oh, you're not wrong. That's opinion. literally the best anime <laughs> opening of all time. And it's crazy that only a couple countries got that opening. Yeah, I like Attack on Titan's first one too a lot. Oh, one Punch dude. Man is great too. Season four <laughs> Attack on Titan intro is the bomb. Like, I get that song stuck in my head. So after the opening, we transition to a quick scene. Deku's back home. It turns out all the kids, I guess because they're cleared, were able to go back home for one day, uh, the end of the year, and they're all escorted there by pro heroes. And he's talking to his mom. He's just hanging out with her, retelling the the struggles against 1B and like how he was able to get ahead and stuff. And it's kind of sweet. He uh, he shows his mom a letter from Erie and just you know talks about how he's becoming a hero. It, it, it's really cool getting to see him catch up with his family. I love too that in the uh, in the subtitles for this episode, Aerie, as Deku is reading Aerie's letter, there are a bunch of like spelling errors in it. Yeah, it was super cute, and the spelling errors are also present in the English translation of the manga, but they're different. Oh, so that's they aren't awesome! Like, yeah, I, I so it's like I got to read a different kind of cuteness twice. It was <laughs> kind of really like that. It was kind of funny because his mom starts crying. You know, she talks about how like he's grown up so much basically. And he mentions something about how like their downstairs neighbors are going to get flooded out. And in my notes, I just have Midoriya inherited a crying quirk from his mother. Like, we just don't yep. know it, but that's totally what his actual quirk is. My notes say we see where Deku got his fountain of tears moved from. That's awesome. And then they do a co-op move here shortly. Yeah. So we follow up with Hawks. Uh, he is meeting up with this. I don't remember the guy's name. He was like that rando hero that we saw the other day. Uh, what slide and go? Slide and go. Yeah, I, he reminds me so much of Compass Kid. I mean, he's very like minimal looking. I guess like he looks kind of silly. He looks like an NPC that gets killed. You know. Um, but he is hanging out, waiting on Hawks, and Hawks is like flying down. Uh, he he arrives at this building, and there's another guy that is leaned up against the wall and and sliding go is pissed off because he's like all right you left without permission where did you go and he's explaining that he actually outranks hawks at this location so my first like red flag is up i'm like okay what where are they at what is this what location is this and who is this guy with a laptop like it's just some dude we don't even get his face he's leaned up against this pillar and he's talking about how hawks is totally wired up and he's basically spying on him and he's like yeah you basically went and got a coffee and you you got nervous about it being a black coffee so you got a sweet coffee instead and hawks admits to it but this whole dynamic is very strange they don't really explain anything and it just cuts away from there so i guess you can only really assume that this is the liberation party or the meta liberation party or something it's slide and go mentions uh the liberation army slash the liberation front um, as the place where he outrakes Hawks. Um, and Hawks is being really sly here. I think this is presented better in the manga than in the anime. Um, because when the... You, you kind of see this guy's face in the manga. You don't in the anime. He's veiled. Um, or the camera angle is panned down somewhere. You can't see his face. But Hawks explicitly is accused of picking up a black copy 
having a small moment of panic and grabbing a sweet one. And in the manga, when this guy calls him on that, he says, after we went through the trouble of stocking up on all that black coffee. So in order for Hawks to have the I went to go grab a coffee cover, he had to go and grab, he had to be sure that he grabbed a sweet one and he almost didn't. Because if he had brought the black coffee back, then he would have had a harder time making that sale. I don't think they Um, even mentioned that in the anime. Or if they did, I totally glossed over it. Yeah, he mentions that he likes sweet coffee yeah, and that the it. black stuff that they have is just, just like sludge to him or whatever. But he almost made the mistake of not having a good enough cover yeah. for what he was out and about doing, Man. which I thought was pretty sharp. That is sharp. I really didn't expect Slide and Go to be a villain. Like, I guess he's a villain because it seems like this meta liberation party or committee is is not good, right? Yes. Well, again, it's one of those things like it depends on what you want to see in society. Um, I think that it kind of goes back. I have this shirt that says Magneto made some valid points um, <laughs> from Jay and Miles explain the X-Men. We're like, listen, some of the things, some of the ideas that he had were, were valid and like maybe even reasonable and might've actually been good. And the way that he went about achieving those ends was poor, almost exclusively. Uh, at least when he was a villain, he switches sides a lot. Um, that I think that, again, it kind of goes back to Stain too. Stain made a lot of valid points. A lot of people bought into that, not just people that we see as villains that's true um and and so with this meta liberation front i think one of the things that they're wanting and this is something that hawk gets in hawks gets into shortly is a doing away with the bureaucracy the organization of heroes and letting people be responsible for themselves on their own um free to intervene without licenses where they can use the their giftedness you know their quirks that are a part of who they are you know it's it's allowing them to be free and expressive and uh the the current society the way that it's designed is is oppressive to these guys um so it's a very interesting take on the current state of society sure and it sounds like they've got a lot of people including some heroes which is part of the reason why the public safety commission commission is wanting to keep a lot of this stuff quiet, that there are people a part of that system that are like, you know what? He might be right. And I'll do what I can to, to, to make this work. So it's very interesting. Even from the philosophical level, I think this is very fascinating stuff. It is. And it's very reminiscent of nine from the movies. I mean, talking about just wanting to be able to use his powers and like be in control and be the most powerful. I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's definitely interesting. Uh, but we transition over to three of our favorite students. We've got Midoriya, Bakugo, and the Toads. And uh, they're getting off a bus. They're showing up at Endeavor's agency. And it's kind of funny because, like, Endeavor is meeting them. And he's a little peeved. He's like, you know, hey, I kind of wanted it to just be Shoto. And and yeah. <laughs> Bakugo is like, who are you? Like, I mean, Bakugo kind of is a little rude to him. And then <laughs> Endeavor's like... Shoto, I thought I told you to choose your friends wisely, which I thought was great, especially after the interview where Bakugo definitely denies being anything but his friend. Um, so it was it was great. Or, you know, anything other than his friend. I'm still saying that wrong. Huh? I, what? I think I'm saying that wrong. Anything but his <laughs> friend? It depends on who you're talking about. Bakugo would say Todoroki is anything but his friend. Okay, yes. well, then I got it right. You can leave all that in. Okay. I'm just an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just screwed up. It's been uh, a long day. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of flashing back, too, between Deku and, and Endeavor as they both recall their incident in the hallway at the, uh, at the uh, sports fest. Uh, there's a flashback where All Might, it's again, Horikoshi uh, doing the Horikoshi thing, where flashback where All Might is blessing Bakugo and Midoriya joining the Endeavor agency. Um, Midoriya has some questions about 
well, you know, what about my one for all training? And Midoriya says, or All Might says, you know, I think it's going well. Nothing else has manifested. You've got this visualization thing working for you where you're locking this one up. And so hopefully nothing goes out of control. And I wanted to be like, but doesn't Dever know about all this stuff? Was it like, was he made aware? I mean, it feels like that's something that you have to communicate, right? <laughs> I kind of <laughs> like the same hey. thought. Yeah, like you think that putting putting Midoriya's care into Endeavor's hands, you should probably let him know what's going on. Yeah, at least be like, hey, this thing happened. We think that it's cool, but maybe it isn't. So that, that I don't know. Um, anyway, uh, again, I think that this was uh, All Might explains to Bakugo, you and Endeavor are similar in some ways. It would be good for you to see the current Endeavor up close, which is a tie back to who I think... Uh, Aizawa implied Bakugo needed to be watching when it came to comporting himself in the public. I agree. And the only other comment I've got about this little section real quick is that there is literally no consistency to how Endeavor is drawn. Like between episodes, between scenes, he's either like massive or he's small or like just like he never fits. Like I remember there was a scene where he came home and he was talking to his family while they were eating dinner. And I like he couldn't have even walked through the door that he had walked yeah, through, I think. He's like a juggernaut. Yeah, but then here he's literally only like maybe half a foot taller than the kids. And then when he transforms here in a bit and he's in his outfit, he's massive again. So like I don't know if it's kind of like an all might thing where he's buffing up and buffing down just based off of his quirk, but it feels really strange to me that he's the only character they can't consistently draw. Yeah, or it's a perspective thing sometimes like force perspective um on some of those scenes where we feel like he's towering um or it could just be i mean a literary forced perspective Maybe. where it's not visual it's not artistic but they want him to seem imposing when he's in the room with his family who are all very wary of him because of the way that he's treated them and in his wife for so long um but yeah i i do understand that there's some size variances um with him and he, uh, the three of them are interrupted on their short walk to the Endeavor agency. Um, Endeavor just kind of starts running. Uh, and the three boys immediately respond in kind, start running after him and even suiting up from their little uh, numbered suitcases, uh, gearing up for hero work because they assume that that's why Endeavor has started uh, turning his flames on. Um, and it's true because there's this guy uh, up ahead. I think his name was the Star Servant um, who is sitting atop a bunch of what look like you know, magical gazing balls, uh, glass balls. He looks very shaman-y, um, has like a big poncho and this really large conical hat. And he's running his mouth about how he received this divine message uh, that Pluto's mouth depicts loneliness and that the time of your demise is near. And all this time, he's his quirk allows him to kind of suck up glass out of things. So he's sucking it out of like car windshields. He sends out this concussive blast um, that shatters a ton of windows and then they liquefy and they start forming into this giant glass ball beneath him. Yeah, and it's really neat because he basically pulls like a Frieza move and just sends it flying straight at the ground and he's fully intending to just wreck this area. But out of nowhere comes Endeavor with an awesome flash fire fist and just melts this glass. I mean, it was a really cool scene. It was really well done. Uh, the villain takes off and Endeavor follows and they are like going down these alleyways and it seems like it's a little a little tight spaced and, and Hawks is there randomly. It's kind of strange because you see him in the background, I think, and as he's coming out of this alley way chasing this villain down there are these other villains that have like pulled some trip wires but man freaking endeavor just flies right through them and just rips them apart and then midoriya and bakugo catch up and they're trying to i guess take out the tripwire villains but hawks is actually there and shows up right in time to to help out uh and so 
I don't know if it was one of those like Hawks just happened to be in the area or or if he was sent there by the committee or something. I, it feels like he was there and he was he was aware of stuff, if that makes sense. Um, but after the villains have all been apprehended and they're being shipped off into these different uh, different vehicles. There's an interesting scene with with Hawks where he's he's explaining to the kids, first of all, that Tokoyami is actually off working with his sidekicks, that he's too busy right now to actually be working directly with Tokoyami. So that poor guy, he just wanted to train with Hawks again. But Okay, I love this too, and I know I'm cutting you off. Um but he he Midoriya goes over to Hawks and introduces himself, and Hawks says, I know you're the guy who destroyed his fingers. I heard all about you from Sukoyumi. And I was like, holy crap. That might be one of the reasons why Tokoyami kept getting grilled or interviewed or questioned constantly by Hawks. Hawks was gathering intel and yeah. he's doing his double agent thing. And that did not strike me at all until he said that to Midoriya when he said, oh, yeah, Sukuyumi told me all about you. I was like, dude, that's dirty. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. That's true. Huh. Well, since Tokoyami is off, and we know why Tokoyami is not with uh, Hawks here, I mean, can you imagine if he was trying to do all of that at once? That would be some crazy load balancing. Um, but regardless, he walks over to Endeavor, and there's this weird exchange that happens where he asks him, like, hey, have you ever read this book? And he hands him this book, and it's named The Metal Liberation War. And then he goes, it's gotten really popular recently. There's a lot of things that it talks about, and even some predictions of current day events. And he says, if you give freedom to a limited number of people, then the negative consequences will go to others. And it's a direct quote from this book. And he goes into explaining Deserto, who is the leader of uh, what I'm labeling as... Destro. Destro? I thought it was Deserto. Destro. Yeah. <laughs> Deserto sounds way less intimidating I know, that's to me. What I thought he was... I'm like, ooh, tasty. Exactly. Uh, Destro, that's a way cooler <laughs> name. So Destro yeah. is the leader of what I'm deeming the MLA. Uh, and basically he wants society to be, he, he says, completed with personal responsibility. Like it should be up to everyone to basically maintain themselves. And he, he says, uh, hey, like you really need to read the highlighted parts. If you don't read anything in this book, just read the parts that are important, which I highlighted for you. Like he, he emphasizes this so much. It's very obvious that he's trying to give Endeavor a coded message. And if someone that is listening to him doesn't pick up on it, and then they're idiots. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, Endeavor thankfully does pick up on it. Um, but hopefully the other folks don't. Yeah. And Deku, I had in my notes too that even if Endeavor, I think Hawks worries uh, when he flies off that maybe Endeavor is a little too thick skulled to have picked up on his on uh, the code that he was speaking, but Deku was right there and he was given a copy of the book that had the same highlights. I think Deku might've been able to pick up. On See, it. I didn't think he gave Deku the, the book with the highlights because Deku does mention like, Oh, what book is that? I'll read it if you're recommending it. And then Hawks hops around and gives all three students a copy of the book. But I just assumed those were copies, not ones that he actually had anything, you know, like notated up or anything. But it, I thought that I thought that he said that he did, but I might be wrong. It gets funny, too, though, because after he does that, he he reiterates like, hey, remember, read the highlighted parts. In fact, read the second highlighted part. It's really cool. Like, I, I just felt like even Endeavor was like, hmm, something's weird. But he is kind of thick skulled, so he didn't quite figure it out immediately. I don't think uh, Hawks flies off and and uh, he he's definitely wondering, like you said, like, OK, is Endeavor going to figure this out or not? You know? They they also reveal that Hawks is only 22 here, and I, maybe we knew that before, but I thought he was a lot older than that, like 26 to 30. Mm-mm, nope, youngest, he, he became ranked at 21, I think, is what we had known before. Yeah, I mean, I, every time I'm reminded of that, I'm just like, wow, that's crazy. 
in the manga, they're even heavier handed with the way that he describes the code to Endeavor because he says, that's my second recommendation in so many words. And they're like bolded. (laughs) (laughs) That's insane. It's pretty great. Well, we meet over at the agency where we get to uh, be introduced to the flaming sidekicks. And we've actually met them before in Vigilantes, which was kind of neat to get to see them in the anime. Yeah, the flaming sidekickers. I remember making a ponyta joke about mm-hmm. uh, the horse-looking samurai man, um, and then you have Burnin, who is like a dream come true for one of the Go Beyond Pod hosts. I think Fawn is one that's just like Burnin is going to be the new, the new hottest girl on the My Hero scene when she finally gets animated. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, this agency is absolutely buzzing. I mean, they've got like a full support call center. They're taking calls and requests, and they even mentioned that they take 100 requests a day. And it's kind of funny because Bakugo is ready to just like go to work. Like he's like, all right, let's do this. Let's get going. Like, and they're like, no, you got to you gotta slow down. You got to calm down. Like we got to introduce you to everything that's going on, all of our procedures and everything. And he's like, you take 100 requests a day. What is Endeavor doing? And we transition into Endeavor's office area. And... I thought this scene was kind of strange, if only because the way that they shot the scene was like, there's a almost like a commons area in front of his desk that's empty, except for a cigarette tray. And he doesn't smoke, as far as I'm aware, and there's no ashes in it. But that's like the focal point. And then behind that is his desk where he sits. So it was just, I don't know, the view on it was kind of strange. But he's sitting there reading the highlighted parts of the book that Hawks has given him, and he's kind of like putting two and two together. Yeah, maybe he just entertains smokers. Maybe. Like, I have an ashtray at my house, but... That's true. Uh, you know, I don't smoke. I wanted to hit this this joke, too, because it's in the manga and in the anime, and it's so great, um, because Baga goes upset uh, that they're not getting right to work, and also that the spoon bill interrupted them last time, oh, yeah, um, which bill. was this cut over. It's a bird joke at Hawks' expense, and I thought it was pretty smart. But Endeavor is sitting at his desk, and he's flipping through this book when he's recalling everything that Hawks had said because he he realizes that it was very Hawks was acting very much out of character Um, and so he's mulling over what it is that Hawks was trying to tell him he's like there's something he can't say but that he's trying to tell me Uh, and I had actually in my notes for the anime that I think Japanese speakers or at least readers would have more to look up um, during these scenes, because he's flipping back and forth through all these pages in the book, it'd have been really interesting to see translations of those pages. Yeah, and you do get to see that if you read the manga. Oh, there really? are um, several of those pages that you can read in full English. I haven't sat down to do it yet because I read these pretty late. Um, but I will be sitting down to that just because I think it's fascinating. I would probably read this book if it existed in real life. I'd be curious to see um, the the philosophy again that Destro is is speaking. Um, and why it is that so many are finding it attractive um, and that it's an older book that is beginning to sell in greater numbers again, that it's making this almost resurgence um, in in the culture of the, of the times of My Hero Academia, which is pretty fascinating to me. But anyway, he finally gets to the point, uh, he deduces that what he was trying to tell him is that the second word in each highlighted part, um, that it's, it spells out this message that Hawks wanted Endeavor to have or to know. Um, and so this was this message, which is the enemy is the liberation army. They number over 100,000 and that in four months they're going to take action. Uh, and so that's kind of where we're left. Um, that, that the, the looming threat, another one really, the, another looming threat in the darkness, um, has been fully introduced, um, at least from the idea stage, like ideologically, they've been fleshed out um, because you also have giggling Shiggy 
um, from the beginning of uh, of the last episode, mm-hmm. and now you have this other thing, and we don't know how related they are or are not, um, but that remains to be seen. And then the only thing that we really get from the post credits is there's this weird scene where Hawks is standing in front of like a a giant uh, like conference room table um, that a bunch of shady figures are sitting behind, which I would imagine are maybe the head, the higher ups of the meta liberation army. I'm sure he gets called in for some, something or another. Um, probably not to called to task for this coded message, but maybe that, um, but I would guess that they, they're giving, they're going to give him something to do. That's what I would guess is going to happen next. Either that, or they want to know what's what, like, what's wrong with their coffee. That, or, or maybe they're wanting to, you know, actually lay eyes on best genus body. Ooh, um, yeah. Because that, that could be a thing too, where he's actually got to deliver that, but he's, he's got to get that to Dobby. I don't think that that's connected to them. I could, I don't be, know if it, so is he playing is. like triple agent then? Like, is he actually a member of the liberation army or, or cause it sounds like he's playing basically he's, he is a hero. Like he's in the top five. So he's a official licensed hero. He's also trying to fool Dobby in the league of villains. And now it seems like he's also part of the liberation army. Yes, I think so. If you remember, Dobby in the anime said something along the lines of, you need to prove yourself to the League of Villains and to the anti establishment cause. Yeah, yeah. So I do think that there's some overlap there. Okay. I just don't know how much. Yeah, see, and that's where I wasn't sure if, like, the League of Villains was in cahoots with uh, the Liberation Committee or what's going on there. Because um, to me, at the end, I was like, oh, wow, like 100,000 individuals? Like, that makes the League of Villains sound like small fry. Mm-hmm. So it does. It's getting crazy, man. I'm, I can't wait to see what happens here. And it, correct me if I'm wrong, but this was kind of hinted at it uh, whenever we first were introduced to Hawks at the end of last season with uh, the guy that was like up on top of the building. Wasn't he reading the book that Hawks gave Endeavor? Yes. Yeah, somebody at some point was reading this book, and I thought that it was like the guy who jumped off the yeah, building at one point. The humiliation um, quirk, like he had to be humiliated or whatever. Yeah, and there was also I think we had seen it for sale like on a book stand very briefly somewhere as well. Yeah. So it's it's been this isn't the first time that we've seen or heard of this book. Yeah, this is interesting. I I I would love a copy of this book like you said. I was really bummed that the book wasn't translated in the anime. That was something that they normally do, I feel like. Yeah, it was left in in the kanji uh in the anime, but um you can see snippets of it in the last chapter that we're covering um in in the manga tonight. So in chapter 246, you can make out some of it. It's not very much, but it's there if you're interested and want to read it. Well, that was a long show for everybody. We went a little long, but we enjoyed talking about the Christmas gifts and we covered 101 and 102. So we have accomplished our goals. That's right. So this episode is going to put us right back in, in lockstep with our usual pace for releasing episodes. Um, thankfully, um, that is due solely in, uh, because of the anime took a break this past weekend and let us catch up after uh, me being away and unable to record for a week. So um, we're, we're back at it consistently every other week. Tell your friends, just like uh, Meep did uh, with, with Eddie, and uh, bring them into the community. I invited them to uh, come into the Discord and be a part of uh, what we're doing and talking about in there as well. Everybody's welcome. And don't forget to go leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us out. It gets the show out there. It helps share it with people that maybe aren't your friends yet, but could be if you get them into the show with an iTunes review and a Discord invite. Absolutely. And who knows? Those things might serve you well soon in the in the near future, but I can't tell you anything more than that right now. Just look, tune into the next episode of the AMP and maybe you'll learn something. Absolutely. We'll see everyone in two weeks. See you guys. 
Almighty Podcast is brought to you by the Back Patio Network. You can follow us on Twitter at AlmightyPod or follow at BackPatioNet for all network news. If you enjoyed what you heard, go check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Network. You can help support the network, get access to early episodes, and lots of other great stuff. If you want to get to know us, come hang out in our Discord channel. We have lots of fun and would love to have you in there. My name is Adam, and you can follow me on Twitter at TheRealSimso, S-I-M-S-O. All right, here we go. Three, two, one. Hey, everybody, and welcome. Ah, crap. We got to start over. <laughs> I was doing the old one. <laughs> Keep recording, though. All right, here we go. Another clap. Three, two, one.